0: Spoken Word. Half an hour of poetry and performance. Your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene. The voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices.
1: You're listening to the Spoken Word program on 3CR. We're proud to be broadcasting from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and I pay my respect to Elders past, present and emerging. My name is Carmen Maine, and our guest today is Josh Cake. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to be here.
2: Thank you for having me, Carmen.
1: Now, I understand you've got a bunch of poems that you would like to share with us.
2: Absolutely. On my way to work, seated not crammed, the tram climbs Burke Street. It jolts and jostles and jerks fleets of crisp suits and crisper skirts neatly burrowing through the work week to earn meat and burn heat. And we're alone and introverted, on our phones, all eyes averted. There's an old man on the tram. Instead of a smartphone, he holds a newspaper, and as the cart groans past skyscrapers, everything seems normal. I notice that his hand is shaking, enough to hear the pages fluttering, but this sound isn't groundbreaking, after all, the tram is shuddering, and it is very cold, and he is like a hundred years old, and apart from the slight hand shying, he seems fine, still legs, straight spine, so, untroubled, I go back to the Prozac fun bubble that is my phone. "'Have you seen this?' the old man speaks, breaking the silence, "'not that there is no sound.' The carriage creaks, brakes squeal at sirens as the city swirls round. Tram bells ding to blare a warning or share a good morning. Our phones ding rewarding us so they can keep recording us. Everything is fume and noise except the human voice. But on our tram that human silence is broken. And every eye meets his for the old man has spoken. And now he repeats his question. Have you seen this? He holds up the newspaper to his opposite neighbour and whispers, Nazis. He asks us, no one and everyone, how are they back again? And it's like he's back again. His whole body clenches as he talks about trenches, how he saw so many men die, felt so many friends die, how every day since 1944 he has missed his best friend Peter who gave his life in the war. Yet through 70 years of grief he's been consoled by the belief that Peter's death was worthwhile. If his last breath occurred while they were stopping the Nazis from wiping out Jews and destroying everything good and true, and today this old man reads the news sees the mobs with swastika tattoos, and asks us, did my friend die for nothing? And now when I read the news of Nazis growing in European Parliament seats in the Australian Senate and American streets, when Nazis online feel stung by our tweets and send death threats to get our words to retreat, we will not be defeated. Because somewhere inside I'm still crying at the old man's eyes when he misses his friend Peter and asks us why. Why there are still Nazis. And did his friend die for nothing?
1: Thank you so much, Josh. That was an amazing first piece. Thank you, Carmen. Um, Can I ask, how did you start writing poetry? When did you start doing that?
2: Oh, I wrote a bunch as a very small child when I was like eight or nine. And um, I managed to get published in a few things, um, poems by young Australians. And then when I was 13, I decided I didn't like anything I'd ever written. And I threw it all away. (laughs) Uh, I think there are a few things published, but I don't have any of the rest. And I didn't write again until I was 18. Hmm. So I sleep really well at night knowing that there doesn't exist any poetry written by me in my angsty teenage years from like 14 to 17. (laughs) There wasn't any. And when I got back to poetry at age 18, it was much less page poetry like I tried to do as a child and much more performance poetry.
1: Mm, Yeah, because I guess perhaps with the performance pieces, there's that immediacy of connection. Is Mm -hmm. that something that you aim for or are you just trying to express what comes to mind? Mm. Because I feel there's a lot of craft in your work still.
0: Oh,
2: thank you. I I hope so. I'm trying. Um, I I do appreciate connection. I think when I started again, started up again when I was 18, I was – just trying to get words out and i think i was looking for impact i always wanted to convince someone of something and as i grew up and stopped being a teenager i think i started to value connection a little more whereas before it was all about impact and how am i going to change the world Mm -hmm. and very you know the ambitious things you want to do when you're a teenager i i don't know why i'm doing more performance poetry than page poetry now Perhaps it's because I do a lot of other performance stuff so it seems natural. Hmm. Um, I I tend to make things with a view to their target audience. Hmm. So, for example, I love cooking. Before I start cooking, I'll make sure I know who I'm cooking for, you know, what are the dietary requirements and so on. And because we tend to share poetry in person a lot, I think that's why it tends to be performance poetry. I think if the majority of our... I guess, local Australian culture or, you know, when I was in other poetry scenes, if the majority of that were shared in print, then I'd probably do more page Pagey poetry. It's just mm. I see a gig and I think, oh, I better turn up and that'll give me a deadline. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, Josh, more poems. That's more why we're poems. here. That's right, what here the people want to hear, more poems. <laughs> what?
2: They want poetry? Why don't they <laughs> I know, to the... on okay. the spoken
1: word program. All right. Surprise, surprise. There's
2: an internal logic to this. I'll accept it.
1: Um...
2: This is called Some People Feel Things All the Time. It's in four parts. Part 1. Things I did that I don't remember. I brushed my teeth in 2003. I know that's the truth. I brushed every day, I think, but I don't remember even one tooth or how it felt to spit in the sink, so it is a bold claim. I practiced piano and guitar nearly every day in 2018 and the year before, and every year for the decade before, nearly every day every year for the decade before, but I don't remember any practice session. I think it felt good. I feel good thinking about it. I think good feelings about it. I think feeling is good, I think good is feeling, and not feeling is not good. I went to the toilet on several occasions in 1998. I can't remember any of them, so it feels dishonest to feel so certain, and I don't know if it felt good. I don't feel anything thinking about it. I don't think that's good or not good. I think just feeling anything is good. I feel thinking just anything is not so good. I think I'm feeling something now that I'm thinking about it, or I'm thinking something now that I'm feeling about it. I have decided that I feel good that I don't remember any visits to the toilet in 1998 because I was too young for romance, so any visit to the toilet that I remember would not be a good one. I am now old enough for romance and I have never experienced it in a toilet. I also suspect that a typical memory of romance in a toilet would not be a good one. Part 2. Things I didn't do that I don't remember. I have never done romance in a toilet. As a result, I don't remember it. Also, I didn't keep some friendships going. I don't remember when I didn't do that, but I didn't keep them going so badly that they went and then they were gone, and I remember that, but I don't remember when I didn't keep them going. I don't feel good thinking about it, but I think feeling about it is good. Part 3. Things I didn't do that I do remember. I didn't learn to drive or swim. I feel myself thinking that whenever there are cars or water that is too much for drinking. It was 2010 and there was a dean of studies where I studied and I used to play with her dog and her dog died and she told me. No one else in her office, just her and me and the dog that wasn't there. And she was 40 and she cried and I was 15 and I just stood there. I didn't know if I could hug a dean of studies, so I didn't and I remember not doing that. And I feel terrible thinking about it, but I think better feeling about it. Part 4. Things I did do that I do remember. This year, I spent all of the comedy festival doing gigs in places with unisex toilets, so I forgot that toilets have gender. On the last day of the festival, I went to Trades Hall in Carlton, walked into a toilet, it was empty, went into a cubicle, came out and went to the sink, and there were three women there, and they looked surprised. So I said, oh, I'm sorry. And one said, no worries, no judgement here. And another said, don't apologise, you have every right to be in this space. And I went outside and saw the massive sign saying, women and I realised that they were decent people who thought that I was transgender or non-binary, and they didn't realise that I was just a cisgendered idiot. At first I thought I felt bad about my mistake, but then I thought about how welcoming those women were, and then I thought gender is silly, and maybe the sign was wrong and we were right, so now I feel good about it. This year I went to see my therapist at ten in the morning, and I had only ever seen her in the afternoon, so when I got there I joked, this is ridiculous, engaging with feelings in the morning? And she said, what do you mean? she's good. And I said, you can't have feelings in the morning. You have to go to work. And if you have feelings, you'll never get to work. Then you get a lunch break. So you can feel a little bit, but not too much because you still have to work for the afternoon. Then you finish work and you go home and you can feel things. And maybe you drink something and you feel even more Then all of a sudden you feel too much. So you have to go sleep. And she replied, some people feel things all the time. So I'm trying to feel things all the time, but I think it feels good because I feel more complete, but I also feel like I might have to relearn how to think. I read this poem to her, and when I got to relearn how to think, she added, and how to feel. So I guess my psyche gives me poetry edits now.
1: Thank you, Josh. That was such a journey. I loved that piece. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, we really do feel things all the time or some people do
2: oh absolutely they do i've, I've been trying not to because it stops me from doing anything
1: mm. i noticed and i think this is quite pertinent given that uh, shows airing obviously january we're in january new year new you all that stuff mm-hmm. um and i did happen to notice on uh your socials like the number of times you did things <laughs> in a year oh yeah i kept and, stats yeah yeah stats so like and i think we as a as a Uh, community not even as a community necessarily just humans these days we're so wrapped up in the stats of our life Mm -hmm. that i i felt a thing this many times i did a thing this many (laughs) times it's like a validation kind of a thing Mm -hmm. um yeah it's a really weird social construct and, I, and you touched on it a bit in that piece, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm very into spreadsheets. Some of my friends call me spreadsheet Josh. My wife has referred to me as a man who wants to fuck spreadsheets. I'm, <laughs> I'm all... You know, I have a list of... I just started keeping a list of what I had to do for the day, like a diary. And then I thought, why delete it? So now I know everything I've done pretty much every day since the start of 2016. Wow. And um, I keep, you know, sleep records and all the things I need to for health. And I... I, I realized I could uh, I could get a handle on how many times I'd done poetry gigs or so on in that year. And that post you mentioned, I did once try to use a mood tracker thing on my phone, it would ding at like eight a.m. and eight p.m. to ask me how I was feeling, and that was useless because I was always. Either fine or mildly frustrated because it had interrupted something where I was actually doing something and mm. feeling things. So that that was pointless. I've I've not got any data on my emotions. I can tell you how much I've slept every night, mm. but I have no emotional yeah. data. I don't I don't know how that would work.
1: Well, anymore. yeah, the recording of it, just as you mentioned, the ding, it changed like it's uh, it, it accidentally cues us to the, and it's such a fluid thing, perhaps. Maybe for, for, for me I can yeah. I can relate to that definitely. Yeah. A ding would be frustrating for me too.
2: Yeah, no, I have no stats on my feelings and I did not. I tried to see if I could keep a mood journal on an app for a month and I failed. Mm. It, it was not right for me.
1: Mm. Uh, You're mentioning apps and, and also in your first piece the technology side of things was really mm. prevalent too. When it comes to how you um, – write and 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 create mm-hmm. is that really data app driven or perhaps Ooh. do you write things down by hand or
2: I tend to either write things by hand or type them in a blank notepad Mm. thing or just a spreadsheet or whatever i have open um i've never used an app or any prompt or anything to write i find the idea of the dirty 30 just exhausting (laughs) Uh, i was like i don't (laughs) want these prompts i'll write when i feel something but i definitely have been trying to write a few pieces about emotions in digital spaces Mm. and emotions online i think i haven't read or heard much about them and i think there are You know, the same emotions human beings have always had. But there are new emotional experiences. For example, you know, going through the Facebook profile of a friend who's now dead. Mm. That's not a thing you could do before going through messages with them. Um, so I've, I've written a few things about the way we feel things online and emotions in digital spaces.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think emotions in digital spaces is a really important thing. And I can think of perhaps films that might have explored that. I'm thinking of like her, Spike Jones. Yes. But yeah, we don't see that as much in poetry. So yeah. yeah, frontier, brave new world kind of thing.
2: Yeah, it's sort of seen as... It's not a thing you write poetry about. You don't say, mm. oh, I was browsing my phone screen and then I felt this. And it's like, no, write about nature or, you know, something bigger. Mm. But I think if it's that much a part of your life and it affects how you feel, might as well get on it. That's that's what I've been doing.
1: Yeah. And the bigness of the feelings, uh, like, will will make its way into every single part of us, I think. So, yeah, the yeah. digital space is just as valid a space as any other. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Cool.
2: Online I get derailed, it's tripping me, I can't relax, where emotions are a playlist and we're skipping through the tracks. Look, your friend had lunch. Like it. Look, your friend made a joke. Laugh react. Look, your friend is struggling through their father's death. Sad react. Love heart re- Sad react, it's weird if you change it. Look, your friend has shared a fascinating tutorial on Danish cord weaving. Wow react. Look, your friend shared an article about Nazis in Spain. Angry react. Look, your friend in Canberra had a baby. Loveheart react. These are different friends. They're not all the same friend to have in the busiest day ever, but it is the same you reading all of these. The same day, the same minute. Mostly I can keep up with the churning, the leap up from mourning to learning, but when an agonised missive from the bereaved is followed by tips on how to lace rope weave, it feels dismissive, like we didn't get space to grieve. In Spain, this article says, Nazis have been granted legal protection, so words or deeds against them are a hate crime, and in Canberra, Robert and Charlotte's newborn Clement is perfection, and how are both of these on my screen at the same time? At the supermarket, they give us dividers so we don't buy each other's bread. I need one here instead. I need to fully rage before I turn the page so when I scroll on yonder to Clement's tiny face, I can hold a full moment of wonder. Perhaps poetry has the benefit of training us to be fitter for a lifetime of Twitter because here, whatever stories we tell, whether they're heaven or hell, there's no rush to farewell. We have space to dwell. We have space. We dwell. I am grateful for this clearing, for this sit-down meal in a forest of fast-food feelings. Why does it help me heal? Why do I love it so much? Because here I get to feel, and I'm never, ever rushed. You're listening to Spoken Word on Community Radio 3CR where community voices make a big splash.
1: We're back with Josh. You have some more poems to share with us.
2: Yes, yes, I do. I brought a few. Thank you. Um,
1: (laughs) May I ask what's the next piece you'll be sharing with the spoken word uh, fan base, people, listeners out there?
2: Are they necessarily fans if they're listening?
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's people honestly, there's a lot of people in the community that can't go to yeah. gigs and are fans of the show. They oh, listen sure. every week. Perhaps they may be fans of yours if that's what you're referring to.
2: No, I mean, do you think there's someone who's listening to the show who's not a fan? Like someone who hates spoken word, just hates poetry.
1: Possibly.
2: And, you know, they're trying to tell their friends, This is why I hate poetry and then they you know, they Google it, this comes up. Like, listen to this, this is why I hate it. I mean I'm um, just questioning they might not be fans.
1: Well, that's a really fair point. <laughs> So hello to those people as well. Thank you for tuning in. Your voices are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What's what's the poem called? It, it called <laughs> I'm sorry,
2: I didn't really properly answer your question. It's called The Ashes. Part one. Noting. It is Friday the twentieth of December 2019. It is 41 degrees and only 1 p.m. I am breathing ash. I am the oldest I've ever been and the youngest I'll ever be. It is the hottest it's ever been and the coolest it'll ever be. I am breathing ash. This is as good as it will ever be. I am learning to relish this in hindsight. Some clowns just gave me an award. They said I did a great job this year raising awareness of climate change. I am breathing ash. Nowhere in the blanket of haze have I poked the tiniest hole. I wish I had a mask instead of an award. I would not doubt that I deserve a mask. My lungs cough to ask me, did you improve your world or just your CV? Part 2. How that happens. Two boys bounce out of a doorway. Teenage confidence like ceramic on the sticks of a plate spinner, potential energy mesmerising in its fragility. They are talking about going to uni next year. Their future. The plates are spinning. One sniffs. That's a lot of smoke. Who's cooking something? His friend slaps him on the back of the neck. That's ash from the bushfires, dickhead. They're cooking the planet. The first boy laughs. Something that is not a laugh could not be less of a laugh a hack to retch up too many bitter pills. He scoffs, how good's Australia? The question mark is absent. The children are on a strict diet of full stops. I remember when I thought my plates would never stop spinning. As the boys walk on in silence, I think I've just been shown how that happens. Part 3. Focus. Focus on the cricket, says the Prime Minister. The ash in my nose helps me to obey, takes me back a decade to Black Saturday, a burning sky, charred air. Wearing my whites, my father drives me to the cricket field to cross his arms with the other dads and agree this is not fair for the children. 22 boys cough their way through 40 overs. Focus on the cricket, says the Prime Minister. After the first over, both teams stop to agree no bowler will bowl fast, no batter will slog high because we can't see the red ball against the orange sky. We are not here to win the Ashes, just to survive them. Focus on the cricket, says the Prime Minister. Our coaches used to say that too. Focus on the cricket, every match, but not today. Today, they tell us, look after each other.
1: You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, the voice of the community. 3CR,
0: community radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976.
1: It's been a real pleasure spending some time with you, Josh, to hear your words and to share it on the show. Um, we are up to the part where it's your last piece though, unfortunately. Um,
2: or fortunately, if you're one of the people listening, <laughs> that we, just that we hate poetry as not, evidence not of not white into bad. Spoken
1: word, Not into spoken word, no. I think that there's enough people out there that really do want to hear your last piece. So.
2: Thank you. Oh, no, the people who hate it have tuned in to hear, to get fodder for why they hate it, and I will aim <laughs> not to disappoint them.
1: <laughs> Pleasing everybody one way or another. <laughs>
2: This is called Jack A Good Punctuation. Good punctuation is a pause that improves the sentence. But some mornings I don't have time to pause, I don't have time to improve, and I certainly don't have time for sentence structure, because I have things to do, and I am sentenced to a life that is heavy in its sentience, and walking is wasted on me. A wise walker packs the essentials, a curious nose, hopeful ears, hungry eyes. This morning, as usual, I forgot these, but I did remember everything else. Every heavy distress that presses down my chest. I emptied every mess in my lengthy shelves of stress and came back for more. Choices and frowns and cares, hoisted them down the stairs and out of my front door. When I carry groceries, I hate to make two trips, so I fit every bag on my forearms and wrists and all ten fingers and triumphantly drag myself inside only to find that I am a tangled fool who cannot release anything. I lift my stresses the same way, pick them up until I cannot put them down and the plastic loops tighten with gravity and time, strangle my fingers like ten infant turtles into ten crimson purple tips ballooning with blood that cannot turn around. This morning, nose open but shut, ears open but shut, eyes open but shut, I was not properly walking, just dragging heavy thoughts from point A to point B with no point but the way I was pointed, my legs begrudgingly involved, one foot in front of the other, the world my formless treadmill, as I thought of every heavy thing to open dread, shaking rocks through sieves in hope of bread. Then a soft carpet surprised my feet, the footpath padded, revised and neat, and I looked down at the little lawn of shedded purple petals, and I looked up at the branches where they had grown up before they settled. As I stood there, clutching my heavy things, the tree dropped a petal to show me how it is done. So I let go of all my heavy things and began to walk, and my nose swayed through rain and trees and coffee and my ears pounced at every bird core and every tram door and my eyes did purple somersaults and walking wasn't wasted on me anymore. Jacarandas are good punctuation. A pause that improves the sentence
1: beautiful thank you josh
2: thank you carmen thanks for having me it's been a delight
1: oh it's a real pleasure so thank you um i was gonna say if there are listeners out there that really enjoyed your work which i know there will be um how can they find out more is there something that they could perhaps have a look at yes
2: absolutely i've I've got a website Joshcake.com. You can find me on Instagram at Joshcake Music on Twitter, at Josh Cake Music, Josh Cake on Facebook. I've got a whole season of YouTube videos coming out this month. On, that's YouTube.com/slash/joshcake or just search for my name. Uh, that'll be comedy sketches and songs, and in general, you'll find me around spoken word things in Melbourne. If you are fans of spoken word in Melbourne, yeah. And if you hate it too, you can also find me at Spoken Word Gigs in Melbourne, <laughs> or mainly look on my Instagram, Josh Cake Music, to find out what I'm up to.
1: Excellent. Oh, thank you, Josh. And um, I didn't mention this before, but I perhaps should have. Congratulations on your win at the Spoken Word Prize as well. I know you got an award that evening. Thank you very much. I got an honourable
2: mention, which I think is what you got in
1: 2015. Correct. It's what I got in 2015. We're in the same club. It's a good club. I quite like it. It's a fun club. It's a fun club. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to be here at 3CR.
2: Thank you for taking the time to be here at 3CR. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, yes, I I do take the time. Are we just copying each other now?
2: No, I'm just, you're thanking me for things that you're also doing, so I'm trying to thank you for them as well.
1: Much appreciated. As, As I said, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. Our guest today was Josh Cake. My name is Carmen Main. And briefly, I'd like to touch on something that has happened this week in the Spoken Word community. The Spoken Word team at 3CR were very sad to hear of the news that Grant Alexander McCracken has passed away this week. Grant McCracken ensured poetry and spoken word had a place in Melbourne through the Dan Poets at the Dan O'Connell Hotel, and he will be remembered by many for his ability to connect with lots of people from all walks of life for his larrikin outlook and his incredibly unique and refreshingly honest art. He was a great supporter of 3CR and was an inimitable an essential part of the poetry scene in Melbourne. Vale Grant McCracken, we thank you. We will miss you.